Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, how to get 20, 20, 20, how to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So, Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Flexibility is great. That's why there's yoga. Flexibility for your insurance coverage is great, too. That's why there's United Healthcare Insurance Plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, United Healthcare Insurance Plans offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. One of these plans may be right for you if you're, say, between jobs, coming off your parents' plan, turning a side hustle into a full hustle, or even missed open enrollment. Want more flexibility? Find out more about United Healthcare Insurance Plans at uh1.com. Oh, well, there we go. <laughs> you're on record now. You do realize that, don't you? Hello and welcome back to One Minute Remaining. My name is Jack Lawrence, the host and creator of this show. Today is our second Q&A episode. Off the back of our first one, a lot of people messaged to say they really enjoyed it and would like more. So the phone line has been open and you guys have been calling. There is plenty of questions to get through. uh, So we're not going to muck around. Let's get straight into it. This call is from a correction facility and is subject to monitoring and recording. JLMS calling from Queensland in hopes of attaining one of your lovely illustrated books about farting pants. I thought I must then give a question for OMR. My question would be to either the lotto winner, I can't really remember her name without looking it up, um, with her, for example, what would have been her sliding door moment when she thought to herself, upon reflection, said, shiver me timbers, if at that stage I haven't chosen to take that path, then she wouldn't have found herself in the situation she is now. Okay, thank you for your question. Uh, I should probably clarify for people listening going, what on earth are you talking about with the farty books thing? Uh, so for those of you who are not on our closed Facebook group, um, I recently um, put out a competition for this next Q&A um, for people who called up and asked a question, then they would go into the little draw for a, um, a book that I illustrated because, yes, I've illustrated a book uh, for TV and comedian Ed Cavalli. Uh, you'll hear him on the Today FM breakfast show every single morning in Sydney. Um, but uh, but yes, so I illustrated a kids' book for him, and uh, it's called Ed and Arnold Cavalli: Daddy's Embarrassing Exploding Farty Shorts, an awful true story. Uh, illustrated by myself, which is available in all good and probably bad bookstores. Um, so, but yes, so I've got a few copies of that that I'm giving away, as well as I'm going to do uh, an OMR mug. Um, We have got um, one minute remaining merch on the way. Uh, It's not available yet, but I've got a few little mugs that I've sort of had made up, so I'm giving away one of those as well in this Q&A. But anyway, so that's that's why we're talking farty books. Um, The sliding doors moment. Now, I'd love to ask Doris this question 
But um, Doris and I, in our, she's been moved now. She's no longer in the prison um, where she was. She's been moved to a jail um, ahead of her um, evidentiary hearing. Now, there's been all issues surrounding that, which I'll update you all in an upcoming episode, which we'll put out soon. Um, but so it means her and I talking, it's very, she gets very limited time outside of her cell. Um, so every time she's tried to call me so far, it's been like one or two o'clock in the morning. Um, so we've sort of missed each other. So I haven't been able to ask her this question directly. So, and I don't want to answer for her, but I'm assuming there is plenty of sliding door moments. In fact, we've spoken about, I spoke to her about it before. I said, you know, I've said to her, you know, when things started getting a bit crazy, you know, did you not think, what am I doing here? I, I should just get out of here. Um, but I suppose the sliding door moment has got to be the fact that she was at this event that she was at, um, met this lady uh, who said, I know a guy you can write a book on, you know, and she, I mean, writing the book in general. I mean, you know, she said to me she was a successful lady running a number of businesses, um, you know, so if she just, I suppose, stuck to doing what she knew um, and not chosen to want to write another book, Obviously, her life would have taken a completely different path. Um, but, yeah, I'm sure with Doris's story, there's plenty of moments where, you know, and I, as I said, I've said to her, like, when it got crazy, why didn't you just walk away? And she says that she was planning to walk away. And as we know, it's an it's a, it's a insane story. And I think I said in the episodes, I mean, if, if it was me, I just don't, I think I would have been long gone from that situation um, before it got anywhere near uh, where it did with Doris. But anyway... So, um, but I, I will ask her that particular question when, when we finally get to uh, to catch up. Thank you for calling. You, of course, into the drawer for the book and the mug. This call is from a correction facility and is subject to monitoring and recording. Hi, Jack. First of all, I'd like to say great podcast. Thank Absolutely you. above and beyond oh, all the rest. Stop it. Um, and also a huge thanks to Beck. Don't worry about her. Teaming while you're getting this all up and running, she has become like a podcaster widow. And so, Beck, we thank you for sharing so much of your husband with us. I have two questions. First of all, have you got any updates on Amelia? I know that you said she's a bit standoffish um, and wasn't real forthcoming, a bit untrusting, which is understandable. Whether you've got any more on her or whether you've been in contact with her. Also... Now... Uh, your message did cut off, but feel free to call me back uh, with with your second part of your question. Uh, firstly, my wife thanks you. I haven't told her about this, but she would thank you. Um, you know, she's uh, she's used to being um, without a husband because I have done many creative endeavours in the past, which have seen me away from the home. Uh, so, so, uh, so she's thankful to you. I, I think. I wonder if I can call her now. Becky, oh, are you on the phone? She's very grateful. Thank you. Um, And as for Amelia, the short answer to that is no. Um, I don't have an update from Amelia. The uh, every time she's got in touch with me recently, it's to say that she'd love to get together and really um, finish the story and chat. Um, And obviously, I say, "Yep, I'm here. Whenever you want to talk, you just call that number. You've got it. You just call me." Um, and, uh, so far I haven't had a call, so I don't know what the situation is. Um, I don't like to bombard a message and say, Hey, what's going on? You know, I will send messages from time to time to see how she's going. Um, but yeah, 
uh, of all the people I speak to, Amelia is definitely the one who's um, uh, just less worried about talking to me, which is fine. So yes, so um, yeah, no, quick answer to that one is unfortunately uh, nothing from Amelia as yet. As soon as she calls me back though, it'll be out straight away. This call is from a correction facility and is subject to monitoring and recording. Hey Jack, love the podcast. Thank you. I'm currently doing my homework and leaving you guys a voicemail for the Q&A session. Um, I just find it really interesting how a lot of the inmates, especially from the first two series, I guess, um, they mentioned that Orange um, is the New Black doesn't really give the, like, kind of idolises prisons and um, how they're treated. But I've watched the first two series uh, seasons and from my experience, they absolutely don't. Like, it doesn't make me want to go there. Um, I just wanted to know if you can just kind of talk to the inmates a bit more about that. Like, have they actually watched the series? What parts are inaccurate and what are? Because <laughs> I feel like the reputation I got from Orange is the New Black is I never want to commit a crime and go to prison because um, there are some not great stories from there. But anyway, hopefully this gets to the Q&A session. Sorry for the long babble, but um, thanks for the good work and keep it up. And thank you very much indeed for your question and your message. Um, I've got to leave your names, guys. Leave your names so I know who you are. Um, also, it helps when I'm picking a winner for this for the for the prize. Uh, but don't, don't worry, we'll we'll sort that out. Um, <clears throat> so the orange is the new black thing. That again, that came from Amelia Carr. And yet, and yet, it's glorified by shows like Orange is the New Black. They glorify prison, so people think it's this. It's this place where you can come and do this and it is not at least not where we are this is not some grand party this is real life where you see these things women die here all the time and nothing is done about it nothing is said about it it's just oh well i don't know how many investigations we've had on our medical now don't get me wrong we do have some really really good officers we've had some guardian angels here who really step in and shine, but they're few and far in between. Yeah. Potential for so much. You have doctors in here, you have psychologists. These <clears throat> women had careers. They could do so much, and yet they're just sitting here doing nothing because there's nothing to do. And I hear what you're saying completely. Like, I've, I have watched Orange is the New Black, not the whole thing, but I think I've watched the first season. And I, I agree. It's the, It doesn't look... It, I, to me, it doesn't look glamorous, I think, and again, I, I'm speaking on behalf of Amelia because um, I'm not able to talk to her, but I think her more it's, more, it's not more that it makes people want to go to prison. It's more it shows in the prison the women having a bit of a laugh with their mates, you know, getting up to no good. Um, you know, you'll see in some instances lying around, not doing much, which I think does happen in prison. Um, but I think Amelia's gripe is she works very hard in, in the prison that she's in. She's up very early. She goes and does a, a manual labour job. Um, you know, she comes back to her bunk, her area. Um, you know, she's kept up all night, very little sleep, um, and then gets up the next day, goes back to work and that sort of stuff. So I think more, her, more, her gripe more so is that these shows are out there not depicting prison as it truly is. Um, but again, that's, I suppose that's entertainment, isn't it? You know, 
Uh, and that, that in a sense, well, Orange is the New Black is essentially, it's supposed to be a comedy, um, you know, a comedy drama or whatever they call them now. So, yeah, I think it's, I, I don't think it's a, the the whole, it makes you want to go to prison. I think it's more so not depicting how hard and how degrading and how uh, horrendous the whole situation is really. Um, so, yeah. So, again, I haven't watched enough of Orange is New Black to have much of a, um, a comment on that, but I think that's what, you know, that's what she, where her gripe is. Um, and, again, I will ask her when I can get hold of her. This is the problem with this, this show. When I started it, I'm like, hey, guys, I'm in constant contact with these inmates. You ask questions and we'll ask them. Uh, and uh, more and more we go through this, you know, it's sometimes not as easy as that. <laughs> the prison system just, you know, doesn't want to play ball sometimes, but I will, we'll get to all these questions and we'll, we'll run them past them. This call is from a correction facility and is subject to monitoring and recording. Hey there, Jack. Uh, my name's Chris and I've uh, been listening to the uh, podcast for quite a few months now, of course, it's sort of begun. These episodes with Jason, the uh, Alaskan Avenger, really highlights how um, people can go through so much turmoil uh, and actually actively want to do something about it. Um, and in Jason's case, it hasn't been been allowed in the later part of his criminal career, which is uh, very, uh, very, you know, true and straight to the fact and doesn't mince his words. He uh, admits fully to what he's done. Uh, yeah, great, great show and uh, great to highlight this aspect of um, when people are hard done by, if, uh, you know, if they can get some help, that's not just change the outcome. Thank you for your call, mate. Uh, sounds like you're skydiving while you're calling. Now, for, for that, is, I know it's pretty hard to hear, but what he was saying is basically it highlights that people that have all these traumas in their life, um, you know, there, there is people that actively want to... Um, seek help and get better. And in Jason's case, and I know Jason's case, it's been extremely, um, I don't want to say controversial, but there's been, there's been a, a lot of back and forth, especially in the Facebook group um, of people who are either completely on one side or the other. Um, and a lot of people saying that, you know, he's showing no remorse. Um, you know, he's trying to justify all his actions. Uh, and that may be so, um, but he also does state that it, he wants help and he wants to get help and he wants to get better. He wants to face those issues that he's had in his past. I got my life sentence from a pedophile when I was a young child. So what no one taught me or told me or warned me about is childhood trauma and abuse is rocket fuel for addiction, destructive behavior, criminality, poor choices, lack of foresight. Uh, lack of concern for self, and then, of course, lack of concern for others. No one teaches you any of this. You just have to learn it experientially, and it's, and it's horrible. I mean, there's proof there that if people get the help that they need, that their life can take a completely different path. Um, now, I'm not suggesting that, you know, people who have been in those situations or abused as children who don't get help will guarantee to go on to do what Jason does, rob people and all the rest of it, because it's just not true. Um, but I just think that, you know, there needs to obviously be more support there for people that go through those situations. Um, so people who have those, you know, things in their life and they're not just thrown into a prison cell and have the door shut and then, again, just released back into society again without any help whatsoever, without anyone addressing any of the issues. Um, because in my opinion, just throwing someone in prison who has got the sort of past that Jason has without addressing those issues, the, the prison part is what, what's the point? 
you know, obviously, yes, it takes them off the street. They can't, he can't go around beating up sex offenders anymore. Um, but I just don't see, you know, we hear from Jason, he's a very um, smart man. He's obviously very intelligent, very thought provoking and, and all the rest of it. Um, and I know a lot of people have made comments about how, you know, the way he talks and the way um, he tries to justify things, but that could also potentially be a coping mechanism. I don't know. I'm not a professional, but that's why you need professionals to get involved and to, to sit down with people like Jason and, and go through their issues and try and give them coping mechanisms and all the rest of it. Um, so, yes, yeah, so there is plenty of people in Jason's situation that do want the help, but they just cannot get it. Uh, and Jason can't get the help that he wants and that he needs, unfortunately. So that's why I don't believe prison is a place of rehabilitation. Say hello to a new era of mental health care. Cerebral is here to help you achieve your mental wellness goals with professional therapy and medication management support. 100% online. You'll experience the all-new Cerebral way, an innovative approach to mental wellness designed around you. You'll get a personalized treatment plan from a therapist, prescriber, or both in a safe and judgment-free space. Your cerebral therapist or prescriber will outline a customized plan with clear milestones along the way, so you can get to feeling your best. With Cerebral, you're not alone in your mental health journey. We're here to empower you to live a fulfilling life. So take that first step towards a brighter future and sign up today at Cerebral.com slash podcast and use code ACAST to get 15% off your first month. Offer only valid on monthly plans. Other exclusions may apply. Offer ends July 31st, 2024. See site for details. Cool fact, a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Quality sleep is essential for boosting energy, recovery, and well-being. So, take your sleep to the next level with Sleep Number. With a Sleep Number smart bed, you can individualize your comfort level and enjoy a better sleep night after night. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now the Queen Sleep Number C4 smart bed is only $1,599, a saving of $300, only for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com. This call is from a correction facility and is subject to monitoring and recording. Good morning, Jack. Good morning. It's uh, Jess Leaf calling. Hello, Jess Leaf. Um, I'm just listening to your um, the second episode of uh, Jason's story again, I think for like the sixth or seventh time on the way to the gym this morning. Um, I do have a question for him um, in regards to, he was saying that he's still desperately trying to access a form of uh, counselling or therapy to help him um, in prison, which he's if, if I'm not mistaken, unsuccessful at doing apart from the first eight months that he did. Um, I have a question for him in regards to how how would he be able to, to get that? Um, is it, does it cost a certain amount? Um, and if so, I was wondering if, if maybe your patron, you know, if we could put a fundraiser together or a GoFundMe page for him um, so that he's able to access that. Um 
that's my question for this morning. Um, yeah, so any any uh, information regarding how you know we can get that for him um, would be great. Have a great day and keep up the good work. Okay, bye. Thank you, Jess Leaf. Appreciate your call and your question. Uh, as you mentioned there, you were listening to episode two of Jason's Story. So obviously you called a while ago because we've ended Jason's story now and we we do hear in the later episode him talking about this particular situation. So I'm sure you've heard it by now, but let's go over it anyway. Um, he does say that he has offered to pay for his own treatment. Interestingly, um, and I have uh, responses in writing from their mental health department to, to demonstrate all of this. Um, the DOC says, uh, while you're in the DOC, they will provide all mental health services, comma, currently we do not have any resources to provide you any therapy or counseling. Um, furthermore, um, I have petitioned and asked them repeatedly um, to pay for my own teletherapy or if they would facilitate a Skype encounter once a week, once a month, denied, will not allow it. Um, so ironically, I'm 47 years old and I am in prison and they won't allow me to have any therapy, even if I pay for it myself at zero expense to them, uh, they will not allow it. Why they do that, I don't understand. Again, going back to the previous caller question, um, you know, these people wanting help and just not getting it. Um, and, and in Jason's situation where he's offering to pay for that and he just needs access to to it um, and them denying that access, I just don't see the reason behind that because that can't be a financial thing. It can't say, well, we don't have the budget or whatever. Um, there is just purely no reason for that. Um, I don't know what's stopping him potentially doing what he does with me because um, he just obviously just calls me and we have a chat. So I don't know whether there's a an opportunity to get a psychologist to do what I did and just him just call him and then them talk on the phone like we have and have conversations. I know I'll follow up with him and, and ask him about that. But yes, when it comes to the prison, for some reason, I don't know why, there's just this blanket no. And then when it comes to being paid for by the state, they just don't allocate that. Um, that they have programs in there, but it's just it seems they're almost they're just tick boxes, tick boxes, and that's about it. So. It's a very sad situation. This call is from a correction facility and is subject to monitoring and recording. Just wanted to say I'm loving your show. Thank you. And I can't believe you illustrated Ed Cavalier's book. Me either. <laughs> I'd love to win a copy for my granddaughters. So, yeah, thanks very much. Keep up the good work. Bye. Straight to the point. Love it. Just want the book. Love the show. That's, you know, fantastic. Thank you. You know what they say, jack of all trade, master of none. Uh, that's possibly why my parents named me Jack because they knew that would happen in my life. Uh, names again. There's a lot of people not leaving names. Leave your names, guys, so I know who you are. Uh, but, yes, you're also in the running because you just had a lovely comment about the show. This call is from a correction facility and is subject to monitoring and recording. Hi, my name is Sally Sparrow. I posted on Facebook a question um, regarding Doris Moore. So... In the audio, um, the premise of her innocence is that she was already independently wealthy. She had real estate, other business ventures, um, which was, you know, where she apparently heard about Shakespeare. She was going to write a book, so obviously independent enough to be able to be an author. She said that she had already written a book. Um, so why didn't she seek independent and private lawyers initially, or at least after the perceived ineffective counsel? Um and, yeah, why did her wealthy life disappear when Shakespeare came into her life? 
It's almost like, was she actually um, independently wealthy when she was in his life or had that already fizzled for whatever reason? Thank you. Now, this question did come through in our previous Q&A and didn't make the Q&A just because we ran out of time. So that does mean that I got a chance to actually ask Doris this particular question. This question has actually come up a couple of times uh, in our Facebook group and this is what Doris had to say about that. I'm doing Q&A stuff with the show now so people are asking questions about the cases. And someone asked a question about when, because when you first got arrested and you went to court, you had a public defender, didn't you? Mm-hmm. Yes. So the question this person was asking me was obviously because you, you know, on the outside you were, you were doing very well for yourself and you were helping Abraham with his bills and stuff. Right. So what happened to your money so that you couldn't afford to get your own lawyer? Centoria lied and had a lawyer come after me. It went through court system and all. So, it so she sued you the, essentially. My asset. Right, right. She sued me and it froze up my assets. Right. Um, but she... She lied to do it. She every bit of her testimony is um, false, and the accusations they made are false. So what was she suing you for? Well, basically, she was trying to say that I didn't pay him for the house, which is not true. He wouldn't have signed the house over to me if I didn't pay him for it. She was suing you for the money and the house that Abraham, the the one that you bought from Abraham. She was saying that that was still Abraham's and that she um, should be getting that home. Right. So there you go. Uh, She was apparently sued by um, Abraham's former partner, which um, basically tied up all her money, uh, put a freeze on her accounts, and she wasn't able to access any of her funds to be able to pay for her own legal um, advice or help. Now, a couple of you also had questions for our resident attorney, Michael Leonard. Uh, We had a chat the other day off the back of Jason Vukovic's story. uh, And uh, while I had him, we uh, asked him those questions. Got another Q&A episode coming up. Uh, and I've got a couple of questions from listeners for you, Mr. Leonard. Uh-oh. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I want to know, why did you botch the, why did you get <laughs> yeah. the guilty verdict in that last case? Yeah. You're, you're on trial now. Uh, let me play you one of these questions. Hold on, there we go. This call is from a correction facility and is subject to monitoring and recording. Hi, Jack and fellow one-minute remainers. My question is actually for the lawyer, Michael Leonard. Michael, I'd like to know what your thoughts are on Blackstone's formulation. I am a big believer in it, but I'd wanted to get a lawyer's perspective on it. And would you mind explaining it to the other listeners of One Minute Remaining? I had no idea what this was. I'll put my hand up and say I I had never heard of Blackstone's formulation. Now, do you know what Blackstone's formulation is, Mr. Leonard? No. So first of all, in law school, they would cite to sometimes Blackstone for you know, historical legal principles, right? Yeah. But in, in our everyday practice in the States, that would never come up, right? So what exactly is he referring to within, because Blackstone on the law is kind of like Blackstone, you know, setting forth various principles of law, but I don't know what he means by Blackstone's formulation. Right. So it is um, basically, it states that better that 10 guilty persons escape than that one innocent suffer. Oh, great. Uh, I would tell your listener, I agree strongly with that. That That's really the bedrock of our system, you know, that you're presumed innocent, the state or the Fed has the burden to prove you guilty beyond a reasonable doubt. And if they don't, you know, you're not guilty, right? Even, even if somebody out there says, oh, gee, I think they really did it. 
you know, it's it's the bedrock of our system. I agree with that 100%, right? And you you have to have that high standard of proof and and you can't you can't prejudge any case because who's to say that that's true? This idea that oh, we know that they did it, let's not give them due process makes no sense. You you can't uh in 99% of the cases you can't make that calculation as to who's guilty and who's not before the trial starts, right? I mean, but I mean, I would say that I mean, don't I don't know if this stat, I don't know if this stat is right, but I've read this stat and I've been thrown around left, right, and centre in interviews that I'm doing, and you know what they say: ninety five percent of stats are made up on the spot. But one in twenty, they say, one in twenty convictions in the US is a wrongful conviction. Have you heard that before? I've heard it on your show. <laughs> <laughs> um, I was I was wondering I was wondering where that stat came from. I, you know, clearly. We, we've had a realization in our system, especially over the last like 20 years or so, that there are wrongful conditions, con- convictions that it, it happens on a regular basis, right? And there's all sorts of reasons why that happens. So, you know, whether it's 1% or 5% doesn't matter to me. I still think that I like the way the system, at least in theory, is set up. Mm. They have to prove someone guilty beyond a reasonable doubt, and we're going to presume that an innocent. And it just it just makes sense to to go with that approach. I don't know if you, is your Australian uh, burden of proof is similar or not. Uh, again, you keep asking me these questions, and I'm, I need to get an Aussie lawyer on this as well. I'm just trying to find someone who is up to your challenge, your your standard, <laughs> Mister Leonard. This is the problem yeah. we found no, the, but I, the I, cream of the crop, and I'm going to find the same. I, I agree with the listener 100 on on Blackstone's formulation. If that's how you are, you know, um, kind of categorizing, pigeonholing it. You know, it, it's really remarkable because almost every not guilty guilty verdict you get in the in the system, uh, you really got to fight for. And and the idea that oh, it's a high standard of proof, so therefore it's easy. It's not. Mm-hmm. You know, you really have to fight to persuade a group of people that your client's not guilty. It's not easy. Mm-hmm. So the idea that if if there's a notion that, gee you know, the standard of proof is too low here in the States. I, I would vehemently disagree. And most defense lawyers would say, hey, this, this ain't easy to get people to get a jury to find your client not guilty. It's, it's not an easy task. Uh, all right, let's have a listen to this. This call is from a correction facility and is subject to monitoring and recording. Hey, Jack, it's Mandy. Uh, just a quick question, I suppose. Don't even know if it's viable, whether you could find out from Michael approximately how much it would cost uh, to have him on retainer for the likes of David Talley, Tony Duke, just to get a trial done. Uh, if we all chipped in, say, X amount, whether it's a viable option. I don't even, it's just a thought. Yeah, I don't even know if it's uh, attainable. All right, cheers, mate. Bye. I think what Mandy's saying there is, Mr. Leonard, how much do you cost? <laughs> <laughs> it all depends, Jack. Uh, it's a really interesting question because, you know, even in the States here with, let's, let's just take an example of, of a murder case, right? Mm. You could get somebody who will quote you, they'll, they'll take that case and they'll say, you know, it'll be $5,000, right? Mm. And you, you got to kind of stop because, yeah, someone will, will say they'll, they'll do it and they will do it for that amount. Uh, but you know what sort of attention is your case really getting? I was going right? to say. I mean, that would seem to me and, if that would that would raise flags for me. I'd be going five grand. Really, is that all? No. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so I mean, you literally, you literally could have the same case, and 
you know, one group, one attorney or a group of lawyers or law firm might be willing to take it, you know, five, 10, 15. And somebody else might say, no, that's a hundred thousand. That's 500,000. You know, it depends yeah. on the case, right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and the facts and the workup, but I can't really give an answer to that. I'll tell you what, if any of your um, cases result in retrial, I would be there on a pro bono basis. That means in our system for free in, in a second. Oh, well, there we go. <laughs> You're on record now. You do realize that, don't you? Uh, oh, I, I would I would relish, especially, you know, the Michigan case. Yes, Tony Duke. I, I would be right there uh, trying that case again because that just was absurd. But, you know, and any of these cases, if they get reversed, I would, I, and I'll tell you what, you know, I work with a bunch of lawyers and we're, we're trial dogs. We love it. So we, we would be there on a pro bono basis. Well, I mean, with Tony's case, I would quite happily set the dogs loose on that one, that's for sure, because, uh, as you said, that was uh, an interesting one. So we'll see what happens with this. Uh, he's, as I said, we know he's got his habeas uh, in at the moment. So uh, who knows if that, that uh, if it goes back to trial, I'll be giving you a call. Well, you know, his case seems to be, from what we know, so weak that if he wins his habeas and gets a new trial, it doesn't mean he'll be retried. You know, yeah, they, right. they may not retry him versus, you know, some of the other cases you've discussed. If they get a retrial, they probably in a heartbeat retry them. But his case seems remarkably thin on the evidence. So the prosecutor might make a decision is we're not going to retry this case. And this guy's already done a bucket load of time and we're not going to we're not going to go forward. So yeah. that's what you would hope. So there you have it. How about that? Michael Leonard on board. Big time. That's a huge that's huge. Very huge. In fact, he said that he will um, jump on board and he will be a pro bono attorney for any of these cases that get back into court and especially Anthony Duke because he says that that one is, in his opinion, utterly ridiculous. And in saying that, that was exciting news. So who do I have to tell about this news? Well, none other than our friend Tony. What's been happening? No, no, not a whole lot. It's working out, cooking food. Selling fudge. Selling fudge. <clears throat> yeah. Plenty of people buying fudge at the moment. I mean, it don't last long. <laughs> it takes longer to cook than it does to sell it. But how, how um, do you how do you set it? Because don't you need a free? Don't you need to cool it to set it? It all depends on the, what, what kind you make. You know, uh, but like if I'm at work in the kitchen, if I make some, I'll put it in the cooler or the refrigerator, let it cool down. So can you make? Um, Food sort of on the side while you're in the kitchen. Sometimes you do. Is that is a bit is that a bit of a sneaky move on your part? Is it more or less? <laughs> I get permission sometimes. <laughs> sometimes. But I have a friend that always used to say, uh, "It's better to ask for forgiveness than permission." That's very true. I, I I completely agree with that statement. Unless, of course, we're talking about my wife, then it's uh, it's always better to ask for permission than the forgiveness because that can be hard. I agree with that. <laughs> so, um, have we had? Have we got any word on the appeal yet? Has anything come through? Uh, I don't. I haven't. Well, I mean, I haven't heard nothing on paper. No. I was talking to so we're on on the show. We've got um, an attorney who joins me on the show. Um, he's a guy in um, he's in Illinois in Chicago. Um, very very good attorney. Um, been around for a very long time, a defence attorney. Um, and he said to me the other day, he said that if if you get another trial date and they send you back to a trial, then he will do your trial pro bono. Awesome. 
that's awesome. We've got to get you back into court, my friend, because uh, you know that would be uh, that would be huge. Oh yeah, it's it's, it's coming. Uh, I I don't think it would go that far. Well, no, However, I mean he he even actually said he he actually did say to me that he. From what he knows of the case, he also doesn't believe that it probably would go back to a trial. He believes that because of the severe lack of any evidence, because, I mean, his, to his words were, this is less than circumstantial. There's, there's, there's just nothing here, in his opinion. So he, he said, personally, I don't believe that this actually would go back to a trial. I believe that, you know, if it's looked at properly, then it would be a case of just send him home. But he said right. he, he said in the ca- in the case that it, for some reason it does go back to trial, then he then he will be there for sure. Yeah, I kind of. I mean, that's excellent. Great. Um, thank you. And I personally think that the, the judge would will probably have an evidentiary hearing of sort. Yep. And say that Michigan courts have had multiple opportunities to give me a retrial. I've been to the trial court. Two or three times, I've been through the Michigan Court of Appeals multiple times with re- multiple reconsiderations as well as the Supreme Court. So I feel that the federal judge would probably, with my understanding of law and everything, would be that the, the court, Michigan courts have had multiple opportunities to retry this case and say that there's some sort of miscarriage of justice or prejudice you know, that I was prejudiced and yeah. dismissed the case uh, is what I think it would happen. How long has the habeas been in now? When did you when did you file the habeas? How long have they had that? A year. I think a year. Okay. Which is a good sign, so, isn't um, it? Because obviously the longer, the, longer they, they, the longer they take to make the decision means that they're actually looking at it quite seriously because if they were to just look at it and they say, well, there's nothing here, they would just put a cross on it and say no. Right, you know, and the, you know, the prosecutor was allowed X amount of time to, to file their material, which was like 180 days, which that was due in September, and so now we just wait. I'm not sweating. I already, no, I know, I know, I know. I already, I'm, I'm good. God showed me life on the outside, so. It, it's coming. It's happening. You're a part of it. So you're coming with me. You have one minute remaining. There you go. That wraps up uh, another Q&A session. Thank you so much indeed, everybody, for all your questions uh, and calls. All that's left to do now is pick our winner for the kids' book written by Ed and Arnold Cavalli, illustrated by yours truly, plus an OMR mug. So now, because a lot of people didn't leave their names, what I've done is it's based on your question. So we had 12 questions, so it's numbered 1 to 12. So it's 1 to 12. I've written them on a piece of paper, super old school, put them in a hat, and I'm going to get my wife to pick the winner, okay? So let's see who wins this. Shouldn't you film this so people don't know you're dodgy? Well, that's why I've got you picking the number. How do they know I'm not dodgy? No one's dodgy. It's a book and a mug. Just pick a a thing out of the hat. All right, fine. One to 12, choose one, read out the number. You want me to choose number one? Choose, yeah. <laughs> choose one. Have you got one? Yes. What is the number? Yes, Drum roll, please. Would you believe me if I said one? No, no it's seven. That's seven. <laughs> seven. Who's seven? One, two, three, four, five, six. Jack. 
It's uh, Jess Leaf. Oh, Jess Leaf. Yay. Congratulations, Jess. Woo-hoo. You have scored yourself uh, the book and the mug. So those will be with you momentarily. No, it'll be another mug. Not the mug. People you're used to mug. Also, someone wanted to thank you very much for allowing me to do the show. So thank you very much. Who let what? Don't worry about it.